This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I'm Matt Henry. I'm Matt Miller. And I'm Mark. Guys, before before we talk about everyone's favorite topic, we need to ask you a couple things. Um, you always draw this out so much. Just say, like and, share. like and share. Give us five stars on iTunes. What are we talking about? What? <laughs> okay, yeah, I was going to try to think of something else, but that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, like and share, rate, <laughs> review, put all the stars on there, and that would be great. We really appreciate it. All right. Well, and that that was a better intro than the one we did before. <laughs> was, I, it was that, better. That's borderline better. I mean, I don't know. It's right on the edge there. It's uh, it's an intro anyway. All right, so, so that's our we, uh, part. Yeah, that's our banter. Yeah. <laughs> <Success>. <laughs> we're done. Check. Again, doesn't really qualify, but we're calling it that. Well, uh, all our episodes sorry. only have 30 seconds of listen time. <laughs> <laughs> that or they're fast forwarding past that. Or they just can't get past it, yeah. To the scintillating theology. <laughs> joking. So we got a request by a listener to give our thoughts on Beth Moore and... John MacArthur's comments of Beth Moore. Uh, and so this listener made a couple of points in his request about how many women have been positively influenced by Beth Moore. And so he is unsure how to interpret all that since the SBC leadership seems to be supportive of her. Um, this is coming out of a conference that was recently held by MacArthur called the Truth Matters Conference. I think that was in celebration of his 50th year in the pulpit. Too. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. yeah, it just happened last week, I think, right? And so tr- truth matters. It's basically a, a declaration of the centrality of the word and the need to not shy away from what it says. Typically, you know, your typical hallmark of MacArthur's ministry. So in this conference, there was a panel discussion with uh, Todd Friel, the guy from uh, Wretched Radio. He was moderating this thing. You like him? I, there's things you, about him I like. Yeah. Like what? I, <laughs> he annoys the pants off me. You don't like him? I can't handle more than... In fact, it was hard for me to watch the panel yeah. thing because I just don't care for him. Well, I, like him I like him because he's solid. Well, that, see, you know, I think theologically and stuff, I'm, I just there's something about his mannerisms yeah. that makes he's me want to punch he's, him. He's kind of like a cartoon. He's very theatrical. His, uh, yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. He's like a caricature of he's a real person. Yeah, but his street preaching stuff is good. I love it. It's, it's, it's pretty sober, and he's not the. Right, yeah. Character. I'll, but, I'll try that. Anyhow. Those so, are short. Yeah, so he, he uh, they did I, a panel. Oh. I can't I can't believe, though, they gave him the microphone to lead the panel in. Oh, that's what he always does. <laughs> oh, he does? Uh-huh. Yeah, he did that for a strange fire, too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All of them. Yep. I know he's buddies with Phil Johnson and, and all that. Well, Phil I Johnson like... is the executive director of his ministry of Wretched Radio. No, how do you how do or you the, know or, that? Um, he's, he's head of his board. That. I'm sorry, he's not exactly no he's idea. head of his board. Yeah, I just I know, know they're buddies, but I thought, yeah, oh wow. Anyhow, all right. So well, there was a panel discussion. Yes, and it got to this point where Todd Friel was basically throwing out some topics, and he just said, "Give a one word response to whatever I say." 
And so he threw out the name Beth Moore and John MacArthur's immediate response was go home. To which everyone Uh, laughs. Right. Everyone laughs. Um, Internet blows up. There's been endless articles, countless articles, countless podcasts. So we're going to throw our head in and give some comments in light of this listener wanting us to, yeah, we were to give our comments. It was interesting because when I saw it, I, I didn't know anything. Then you sent me the Doctrine and Devotion one, and I'm like, wow, they took time. And then I opened up the Wartburg watch. Don't, do you ever go to that? Yeah. And they're saying basically John MacArthur's time has gone. He's gone oh now. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. He, he's old. Like, he needs to yeah. go home. Oh, and I'm man. like, wow. Like, mm. he really cares. Um, and, and then my Facebook page blew up. Yeah. And I'm like, apparently, I'm not in the loop anymore. So, yeah. And, and it was funny because so I finally had to go watch it. And my, my response was, meh. It was, it, it was what it was. It, it, I think way, way over interpretation of what happened. I mean, people are saying a bunch of white, which is offensive. If you know anything about Grace Community Church, it's anything but a white church. But a bunch of white men laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet this was a totally mixed audience of male and female. And it would have been just about even. Um, and it's like you're reading so much into these words. Um, I don't, I don't quite understand why Todd did that. I guess for the humor. Um, you know, I don't, I don't. Well, it's red meat to everyone who. Well, that's what I mean. It, that's all it is. It's with, just red yeah. meat, but it's not going to help. Right. Um, but at the same time, so what? It's a panel discussion, and very seldom are I personally find panel discussions to be of great help. Because you never can develop something as thoroughly as you right. would want to. And so it you end up having um, the lack of nuance and everything else. But it was what it was. And it's certainly his right to ask the question. It was John's right to answer it. It's at his church and um, in at their conference. And, well, you, you know, know, he did the same thing with Stephen Furtick a few, how many, however many years ago. Oh, that's right. In fact, that must have been what he was referring to because... Todd wanted him to give a short, yeah, pithy said, answer, one word. And he's like, the last time I gave one word, <laughs> a whole book got yeah. moved. And I'm, like, and I'm like, oh, that's unqualified. Uh, unqualified, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, man. So, Golly, that's how you know you have a platform. Yeah. <laughs> My one word response creates books. <laughs> so maybe, maybe she'll actually do a riff on that and do one. Um, who knows? But Repentance, maybe. I don't know. Nothing, nothing important came out of it. That's, I guess, the important thing to right. take away is right. you got a lot of time, you got somebody's thoughts, but um, nothing has changed. Nobody has said, wow, because he said that, I think I need to completely rethink my position on women, their role in the church, especially in the realm of teaching. It was what it was. But at the same time, having said it's a, it was a great big nothing in my mind, um, we're going to develop that nonetheless. If you want to hear that, just keep listening, uh, and we'll try to lay out a few points about Beth Moore, because behind all of that is that she is a force to be reckoned with. We have to acknowledge that, and so we'll try to develop some of that right now. Yeah, so just some background regarding Beth Moore, if you have no idea 
who she is or have ever heard of her name. She is a growing center of influence in the SBC. Uh, that's pretty undeniable. Uh, and as a result, she's she's become a bit of a lightning rod on the whole women's role issues that's behind the controversy. Um, I think she was up for, I mean, there was a huge push for her to be president. Yeah, SBC. she wasn't actually formally, but she, yeah. there was a big, big push. And the point was, hey, there's nothing that prevents her from being that. And I think the next time around, she she very easily could be, um, honestly, because of the way the whole yep. politics of everything that's going on SBC, mm-hmm. they're they're going wacko as fast as they can. Yeah. So we we don't know her obviously, and probably never will. Personally, we're just two guys. Yeah. Well, when we say we don't know her, we know of her. It's not like we... We've never had coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And I, she doesn't have her phone number. We never talk. Right. Um, so we we personally don't promote her in any way in our church and never will. Um, and so for us as, as just pastors, she's never on our mind, um, nor do we think that she's going to matter in the long term. Um, she, you know, so she does have a massive following in the SBC. And even beyond that, she's called an evangelist and a Bible teacher. Uh, she has many conferences, TV appearances. Uh, she's on a lot of radio shows. And so she's a person of great influence in certain circles within the evangelical church. She's and got that, a wide, wide platform. At the same time, though, it's a, a, a surprisingly narrow one. So it's she's in the evangelical world. There's parts of the conservative Christian church that has never heard of her probably because they don't even walk in those realm. But in that popular evangelicalism, she is um, widely influential with women. Um, so, it seems yeah. like her platform has gotten even bigger now because she's so on to the social justice stuff too. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that actually this kind of thing, I guess if I was, was to say anything, I think John would have been better served almost saying nothing because she will be able to use this as a means to market herself even more right. rather than she just is somebody honestly that you should ignore. That's why we never talk about her. She said ignore. It, there, there is, yeah, uh, there is nothing there that is um, worth my time. Um, the only time I would invest any effort with Beth Moore is if a lady came into our church and wanted us to right. have a Beth Moore Bible study or something. That, and, and they would be really simple. It would be no, mm-hmm. and we would just move on. And that's what she's historically been known for, are her Bible studies right. and her video things. Right. And, and, and like what, most women teachers of her type, she started out with women. Mm-hmm. And then began to branch out from there um, so that as long as she's not at a church, she can teach and preach as much as she wants right. as in, in her theology and her thinking. Um, but it all started there. At uh, least Fitzpatrick does this. Uh, there's all kinds of mm-hmm. other uh, ladies that have done it in the same way. And I've got some problems with that personally, but we'll do that in the, the next podcast. Yeah. So for the most part, we've ignored her personally because she's had really no influence in our circles and in our church. Yeah, and and part of that's because early, early on in my ministry at the church, um, I had to deal with her, with Kay Arthur. Did, did you ever hear about Gwen Shamblin? Yeah, she was nope. she was a huge hit in the early 2000s. Um, you ever hear of her? Lena? No. Okay, yeah, it's called the Way Down Diet. And the oh, whole God. problem with women being overweight, which we had, 
an issue at our church, and so this was the hot topic of the ladies, was that they were not feasting on the Lord. And that was her basic theology, is that you need to learn to feast on the Lord. Once you learn to feast on Him, you can begin to lose weight. The problem was she was a modalist. Oh. Um, and if you're listening to our theology Trinity. podcast, <laughs> you'll know all about that. And if not, go back and listen to him because that's more important. But she was a false teacher. And, but she, I, I almost split my church as I had to deal with that mm -hmm. and stop it because the ladies were really into this and it was the greatest thing uh, since whatever. But we've also had to deal with Joyce Meyer and others in the church. And so I dealt with that early on. I dealt with it very firmly. And so it hasn't been an issue anymore, but. Okay. So we, we reluctantly talk about this here because, um, but through her, there's, there's a bigger issue being pushed in the SBC, as you mentioned, and in the evangelical church at large, that needs to be addressed. And so it is a deeper issue than um, John MacArthur was dealing with behind his statement of goal. Yeah. And I hope that, the listener will understand. We really don't want to talk about this. It's just there's much bigger things to, yeah, to deal with. But um, but if we can use her as a platform to go beyond her to what's really driving the evangelical church in some very troubling ways, then hopefully it'll be redemptive. So, what we want to do now is just talk about what's the real issue going on between Beth Moore and and John MacArthur. And so what do we do is a question. What are we going to do with these women teachers and preachers in the church? How do we deal with it or view it or even discuss it? That's the issue. Right. And a lot of guys are just terrified to do it. Um, back in May of 2019, Beth Moore had a thread of tweets in which she decided to begin to poke the so-called Calvinists in a comment. And so, in fact, Lena, I asked you to read. The point of her post was this. What are five things you'd do if you could still do what you do, but had the margin to pursue other stuff just for fun? So that was her opening tweet. And so all these ladies were posting what they would do, and she posted her five. Right. Um, and then... She retweeted or tweeted this. I don't know. I, I don't use Twitter. So, but she tweeted a, a, a PS. And so this was her PS. My original number five was teaching a men's Sunday school class at a church full of Calvinists just to get everybody going. But I deleted it reluctantly. I'm in a tad of a mischievous mood. Ha ha ha. And so then that exploded all over the place and all these ladies are applauding her and Why telling her. Why do I have her, to read these? <laughs> yeah, well, you're supposed to do it in a Southern accent oh, too. okay. <laughs> Bless your heart. Um, and so I, my point in this is if anyone wants to freak out over John MacArthur, understand that she poked the bear first <laughs> and and she really created a huge stir and, and don't, for the don't for a moment think that she did that ignorantly or innocently. Those things are all designed to push forward and propel your name through controversy and all that. And so a whole bunch of comments from others jumped in. Most of them were ladies uh, who were in one way or another encouraging that. And but one is another Southern Baptist teaching woman. I sat there and endured some of her teaching today. That got me in a bad mood too. Um, and she was basically 
saying, hey, I'm going to be preaching at a conservative SBC church for Mother's Day at all three services. And then she being coy says, shh, don't tell anyone. Now, all this is being done in public. And so it's like, okay, everyone's doing the wink and the nod. And so that's what that's what we're dealing with. So he, so then Beth Moore, golly, I hate doing this. Uh, Beth Moore tweets to her and says, "Well, I'm going to be preaching too, but don't tell anything, tell anyone else." And now it gets hot, and so people began to take a stand, and 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 what that stand within this SBC, what that stand became is far more important than anything that John did in this throwaway comment. Um, So the whole thing leads to a conversation of charges of misogyny, which means you hate women, uh, sexism and such. This is Beth Moore's words. Also, now she's going to take on this grieved woman who is just grieved by the spirit because she feels that this is such a minor issue and it's really reflecting this misogynist attitude among so many within the church. And so she begins to do this, all claiming to be compelled by the Holy Spirit. And in the doing so, though, she does something that people don't even realize happens all the time, and that is she changes the argument now from whether you should be a woman preaching at a church on Mother's Day to sexism and a hatred of woman. Yeah, so th- this is this is similar to what's going on with things like the social justice movement. Yeah. Um, and the so-called Christian same-sex attraction movement and other things like that. So we're not having conversations anymore about what scripture says regarding the true nature of, of justice or racism or the true nature of what the Bible says regarding homosexuality. Rather, it, it now seems to be at the point of if you won't give people a voice to push an agenda that is contrary to the scripture, then you're just as hateful or small-minded uh, of a person who who just doesn't know Jesus. Yep. So the conversation has been totally redefined. And, and and the conservatives are all freaking out. They don't want to come across that way. So now they have to somehow give lip service and almost bow right. at this because they want to show, hey, we're not haters of women. It's like, look, take the argument right back to where it really needs to be and don't don't fall into that trap. But So with all of this, you get J.D. Greer, who is the new Southern Baptist president. Uh, He tweets this after all of that Twitter storm happened back in May. He says, thank you, Beth, hoping that we are entering into a new era where we, in the complementarian world, take all the Word of God seriously, not just the parts about distinction of roles, but also regarding the tearing down of all hierarchy and His gracious distribution of gifts to all His children. Slam dunk. That was helpful. Yeah, it's like, wasn't that clever? Um, And so what he does there, if you were paying attention carefully, is we complementarian folk, he claims to be that, but he's a wimpy one, uh, just don't take the word seriously enough. Um, Somehow all we are really seeing is a hierarchy that doesn't exist in the Bible, um, or that, yeah, at, and we don't, he doesn't define what that hierarchy is. And then somehow God's distribution of gifts are at odds with the complementarian view. That's all he's really saying. He's, he's playing a double, double speak there, and it's, it's deadly. Yeah, and so, again, what he does is he gives this shift of an argument. Now, again, it's not about the women preaching or teaching, it's really about the fact that if a woman is gifted to teach or preach, then we should let her. Who are we? 
to stand in God's way. And that that's one of the most common arguments we have. Yeah. Um, you know, the, similar to statements come out over and over again about, you know, Deborah or Miriam in the Old Testament and Priscilla in the New Testament. Um, somehow narrative now, uh, the narrative portions of scripture trump the didactic passages. Yeah. Um, the, these parts that are over commands. Um, you know, so so that's, you know, no more impressive than someone getting out of a boat to walk on water just because it's in the Bible. It's like, so, that's not the point of the text. Right. <laughs> right. I yeah. saw a tweet today that said, if it weren't for women pre- preachers, we wouldn't even know about the resurrection. And I was like... See, that that <laughs> that's one of the other things they talk about is that the women were at the cross when mm-hmm. all the men left. And it's like... So... What does this have to what, do with that, 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 That's not the doctrine of inspiration. That's not anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. It's so frustrating, but it sounds good, and wow, that's deep. And, and so somehow we have to, if, if, we, if we say a woman is not allowed to preach and teach, therefore we hate them. And we are denying yeah, right. gifts that somehow God accidentally gave them, mm. um, all because Paul was speaking out of his patriarchal small mind and, and whatnot. So um, it, it we see it all the time, though. We, we, we're going to be going back to Ethiopia. Right. And we're going to actually deal with this. I think it's in our first module, right? Yeah, well, we stepped in it last time. Yep. And because in the Ethiopian church, it's very common for women preachers. Mm-hmm. And so we had some women in the class that we were teaching on the necessity to preach properly and how to how to exegete a passage mm-hmm. and but they they were bringing up all the same tired the arguments, exact same ones, as if we never heard them. Yeah, and we're able to just fire back. Okay, well here's like, how. But here's the text. Here's the text. In fact, boy, they gave you some stony looks. Yeah. Um, well, no one was coming back. At, but mean, yeah, nobody had a response back. Of right. here's what we're, we, we we can prove to you from the text that it's permissible. They couldn't, um, but they also weren't going to change. And it's very frustrating. So. Beth Moore, again, back in May, in her tweets, uh, asked this, that why we just consider 2 Timothy 2, and I think she said 1 Corinthians, rather than all of the New Testament when we decide what a woman can and cannot do. So again, she's trying to reframe the argument away from, here's what the Bible actually instructs us by divine command through an apostolic teaching. Now we're just going to look at the whole and, and implying that in that, or yeah, imp, implied in that is that somehow the rest of the New Testament, if you look at it, is going to show us a whole different. In that right, there's a sufficient commentary for why I would never want a woman to go to her Bible studies because this bespeaks Bam. of her, her terrible hermeneutic and under mm-hmm. bibliology, as we've been talking about, that somehow she's elevating certain passages or right. reading. Well, right. And that's what came to my mind as I was listening to all this. It's like, you know what? It this is all dealt with in her bibliology podcast. Of <laughs> yeah, right. uh, she she has this. Uh, she's like so many right now that kind of have a red letter edition of mm-hmm. truth that the words of Christ and the Gospels are somehow more authoritative and more powerful than mm-hmm. Paul's writings or t- um, Jude's or anybody else, except that they're not. At all, right? And so the the whole implication again is if we look at the whole New Testament, that somehow First Timothy two, where it says, "I do not permit a woman to teach, nor 
to have authority over men, that somehow that doesn't mean what it explicitly says. Uh, instead, we need to be more broad-minded. In fact, she even says that we must search the mind and attitude of Christ toward women because he had a different view. I, I know. That. They what does that even talk mean? About that. Who did Christ have around him? And I'm just like... It, it's like Judas. Ooh, it's, <laughs> that's who he had around, Judas. Well, never mind. I, uh, I could get really snarky here, and I'm trying to fight it. was completely abandoned. Um, so again, the only way she could say that, if she thinks that somehow an apostle is not speaking, declaring Christ's words, which again, we dealt with in our podcasts on bibliology, the hard reality is that very little really is taught regarding the role of women in the church. And what's been written is very countercultural, and we just need to embrace that as a church and stop apologizing to a world that is already in rebellion. Right. Um, yeah, it's it, not going to be accepted. We're, they're not going to come to Christ because we now become evangelical feminists, which yeah. is the new... Yeah, fun term. So, so it's nice to look at the fact that women remained with Christ at the cross, right? Yeah, that's praiseworthy. praiseworthy. It's, yeah. A, it's a proper observation. That's good. It's good to see how Christ elevates uh, the women in the culture rather than denigrating them. Um, but again, that, that's not shocking since right. he made women in the image of God, right? Um, it, it's, uh, it is good to note that Priscilla helped evangelize Apollos with her husband. But as we said, so what? Um, Jesus also called his mother woman rather than mother while on the cross. So should we take that to mean something deeper? You know, um, Jesus did the same thing with his friend Mary while she wept due to Lazarus. He calls yeah. That one I always laugh at because it sounds so cold. Here it is. She's weeping. She's his close friend. And he doesn't say Mary. He's like woman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, hey. Yeah. Or when he's on the cross, woman, behold your son. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also noteworthy that, um, that, that the Bible's explicit teaching for women in the church is to be helpers in ministry and be busy in works of hospitality and mercy. That's the explicit parameters laid out. Um, so notice what constitutes, for instance, a widow who is to be cared for by the church. So now, that, before you read that, though, go ahead and finish what you're going to say, unless you were going to quote it. Well, I, well, I was, but do you have a comment? Well, yeah, only because you couldn't hold anyone in today's Southern Baptist Church to this standard. Mm-hmm. If, if a woman had a need in the church and they would just simply say, that's what benevolent fund is about. That where's the grace, where's the gospel, where's this, where's that? Paul is brutal here. He says that a woman who is a widow can only be put on the list where she would be cared for by the church in an official capacity if certain things are met. In so, a very difficult culture. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Where there isn't, never mind. Um <laughs> Uh, so, so, yeah, well, listen to what he says. First Timothy five, nine through 10. He says, let a widow be put on the list only. So that, that's an important That's term. so restrictive though. Yeah. Only if she is not less than 60 years old. So this is what we talk about when we talk about a widow indeed. Yep. Right. So now, picture you being 59. Right. And you walk up to the church and Paul's. Where's the grace? Yeah. yeah. But, well, that's what J.D. Greer would be te- right. tweeting. Right. <laughs> And while Beth Moore is tweeting, look, if you looked at the whole of the New Testament, you would understand that 59, it's okay. And Paul's like, yeah, not so much. So, so let a widow be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, 
having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. That's and, a tall order. Yeah, and it's only if those things are there. Yeah. Not if she occasionally did it. Mm-hmm. Um, you go on into the explicit instruction in Titus 2. It's for older women to instruct the younger women to be faithful wives and mothers who focus on their home. The idea of a wife looking outside the house for her place or her identity or her purpose is simply not a biblical one. It doesn't mean you can't work outside the home. It's you, That's not where your identity is found. Your yeah. identity is to be found in the home, and from there it flows outward rather than I need to get away from the home so I can find the fulfillment of what I've been made. So when you look at a woman like her who's married, and she had, she, she apparently had an adopted son, who then she gave back later on to the birth mother. And part of her stated reason was because he was, he had unique needs and it was just a lot of work. I'm like, okay, I got a lot of problems with that. Maybe if you stopped preaching so much and teaching so much, maybe you would have more time. But yeah. she, she had a daughter as well. Her, her focus should be there, but yeah. you know, others would disagree. It's the idea okay. that the, the home is somehow a hindrance to right. your greater purpose right. or meaning, which in some ways supposed and that's to be found an outside the home. Right. right. So so let's just ask this question. Should women listen to Beth Moore as a teacher? No. She, she's not well trained. Um, she has no uh, theological training. It's, she's self-taught. Right. And I, I actually had a lady when I was working for the nonprofit who was a volunteer and she she said how much she loved Beth Moore because she would drop like the original words. Like she would talk about the Greek words and the Hebrew words mm. as if this is deep and supposed to mean something. But she's not well-trained no, at all. She's not no. a handle those things. Um, she's got a habit of missing the point of the text, um, making it all about application rather than drawing out meaning, which is why people are attracted to her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because um, it's it's application that's baseless. Um, she's given the pop psychology approach to human issues rather than a robust understanding of mankind and sin and sanctification. Uh, she has a poor grasp of true spiritual warfare and, and teaches on the popular but wrong idea of spiritual strongholds. Yeah, but at the same time, we'd also say there's a massive number of men doing the same error, and we wish they would shut up too. So, Right. <laughs> I mean— Absolutely, it, yeah. Yeah. So so who should women be listening to? Their pastors. Yes. What a, what a concept. Yep. It, it's is it really that simple? Yeah, I I don't think people understand they 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 need something more. If they think they need something more, then either they're in a bad church, if their pastor is that unfaithful, or um, and if they can't because their husband says no, we're staying here, then there are faithful men who are preachers of the word have been proven over the years. Log in and listen to them on the internet. You can hear Alistair Big. You can hear Piper. You can hear. MacArthur, but I mean, we could go on and on with names. That's that's who should they should be listening to. But primarily, they should be gaining their instruction from their own leadership. They don't need to find some woman who is untaught and unfaithful with the text, but very popular and maybe likable, and and try to sit at her feet. That's that's foolish. Right. And a lot of husbands should really rise up and just simply say no, yeah. no, no more. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so Beth Moore is, she is, she's posturing herself in this as a reluctant warrior in this whole debate. And those who are saying that we need to be more charitable, they're going to blast us for this. But to me, it's just, it's a false humility Yep. um, that she's going to be the person out front leading the charge, but, but it's simply not true. She's like many others. um, She's using, using the situation to propel themselves further into positions of influence uh, she is now a protected commodity, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if you criticize her, the denouncing machine descends on you in all of its unholy fury. So if you dare say "go home," then everyone's against you. Um, you're you're being dismissed right and left. But really, if she does, what we really need to do is we just need to ask her to take her teachings and go home. That's that would be the best thing we could do. So having said all that. I hope you understand we are not fans at all of Beth Moore. Um, We will do another episode then on the issue of women teachers in the church because it it does that's the issue, right? That's a real issue, and and all. But that's not where anybody's talking about it anymore. It's it's not at the level of what is the text saying, how do we understand it? It's what's the culture doing, and how should the church respond? And so we're going to try to get past all that. And the next time we do this, we'll talk about exactly what does the Bible say about women teachers. Hopefully you'll do that or listen to it. Until then, like and share. 